Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Underwriting for Auto Line this week has been provided by. If you want to make things that move, move better. Just talk to one of our scientists. They'll show you a special glue we've developed that bonds metal to plastic. And that makes the things you're trying to move lighter. The less weight, the less energy. And what you save can be used for speed, for efficiency, or just for fun. This is the human element at work. Down. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. Want to thank you for joining us on Auto Line this week. We're going to be talking about new cars today. In fact, we're going to be talking about the best new cars that came out this year. That's because I've got several of the jurors here from the North American Car and Truck of the Year Award. We're a group of roughly 53 journalists from throughout the United States and Canada that cover cars and the automotive industry in all kinds of forms on radio and television, print and internet. And we've decided and voted on yet again this year what we think are the best cars. Joining me for today's show are Mike Austin from Autoblog, Kirk Bell from the Motor Authority, and Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press. Great to have all three of you here today, too. We've got a, a lot of cars to talk about here. We should talk about what the finalists were, how the jury started out with a very long list, whittled it down to now we know the three finalists. The winner will be announced at the North American International Auto Show just a couple of weeks from now. But the three finalists, of course, that the jury voted on are the Honda Civic, the Chevrolet Malibu, and the Mazda MX-5, better known to most of the public as the Mazda Miata. Mike, why don't I start with you, and let's start with the Honda Civic. Why does this car to be on the finalist list? For me, it was, it's a return to form for Honda. You know, the old, the old Civic kind of felt like it had lost like, that, that special feeling of, of uh, I mean, you kind of grab the wheel and you know that it's good to drive, and they've got that back with the new one. Uh, I mean, the, the interior is, is better. It's a little less fussy. It's, it's well laid out. Um, all of the good Honda stuff is, is still there, like you know, driving position and ergonomics. But the main thing for me was, you know, in the first 10 feet, this is what a Honda should feel like. Kirk, your thoughts on the Civic? Well, I agree with what he said. It, it really uh, rides and handles very well um, that old Honda feeling. It also approaches on midsize uh, territory for space with probably the best rear seat in the segment. So, and, and great fuel economy. I just had one. I got 37 miles per gallon. So... Uh, great You're point. a lead foot. <laughs> I am. Because I even got better than that. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Well, it's got all that going for it, and it's a really good value. I mean, it, it is. Honda, they, they had been sort of wandering around aimlessly with the last couple of generations of Civic, and this, as Mike said, it is an absolute return to form. It's one of America's favorite cars, reminding of us, us of how it became one of America's favorite cars. 
The thing that stood out for the, the Civic in my mind when I got in and drove it, to, and to your point, Mike, you don't have to drive it very far distance. And all of a sudden you realize, man, this is a good car. And what I really picked up on is how quiet it is. You know, usually compact cars, noisy, buzzy, especially on the freeway, a lot of wind noise, a lot of vibration coming through. And Hondas particularly traditionally. And Hondas especially because they try to make them so lightweight that they don't put a whole lot of sound deadening and the like into them. But this car was exceptionally quiet, exceptionally smooth. That's what I thought uh, was so good about it. Well, and, and to that, too, you know, the, the turbo engine is not fussy at all. A lot of times when you get that small turbo, you're dealing with lag or you're dealing with you know, really low power, and it's, you know, it's a really smooth delivery. You, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't know if someone told you, you know, the difference between the two engines, naturally aspirated or turbo, if you didn't look under the hood. The other versions you know, that I don't think we were as fond of sold really well. Is this car going to move the sales needle for Honda? I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I think they're, they're sort of at their you know, maximum. Right now, it's a matter of keeping it and maintaining the, the Civic as one of the benchmarks as you know, the fourth best-selling car in the country, probably. It's hard for me to see it you know, gaining much, but they could have lost if they had continued to do subpar efforts as the last you know, couple had been. Mm-hmm. Kirk, it's amazing that you, you got 37 miles to the gallon, which is mm-hmm. a very, very good number. I got 39 and the week that I had it for a test drive, I mean, it was foot to the floor driving. I had a crazy schedule. I was running everywhere around town. I figure if I had backed off a little bit, I could have easily gotten it into the low 40s for a combined number, not just a highway number. Well, I do have a lead foot, so I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, but I drove it on the highway mostly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just it had great fuel economy. But what I like most about the car is, is the feel of it and the steering and the handling. And it drives like a smaller car than it, than it is. And why do you guys suppose that the Civic got the, made it to the finalist list as opposed to, say, like the Chevrolet Volt, the new Volt, or the all-new Toyota Prius? Well, one of the things that they say is look at cars that move the segment forward. And I think that this certainly does that. And uh, this is a segment that's really come on in recent years with very good uh, cars uh, going back to the... the when the cruise was introduced, and that's when the the Honda fell behind, and now it's pushed back up to the front. Of course, the the Volt, all new redesign, same with the Prius. I, I was surprised that the Volt, one of those two, didn't make the list. Honestly, um, uh, maybe they split the green vote. But if if we go back to the Civic, yeah, the Civic it, it jumps to the front, or you know, at the front of its segment, it really moves it forward. And if there's any knock against the Prius and the Volt, it's that they're they're just evolutions. I, I think what they do is amazing and the numbers they achieve now. But in a sense, maybe we're, we're, we're numb to it or, you know, we're, we're just like, well, it's a Volt that goes further. It's, it's, it's much more than that. But, you know, maybe that was the sort of, uh, that's what dismissed it off the list. Well, and, and in terms of significance, you can't forget the fact that they're going to sell between 350,000 and 400,000 of them a year. So of that, the Civic. Of, of the Civic. So, I mean, that makes a Civic that had been on a downward you know, uh, direction, turning around and all of a sudden becoming a leader, once again, a very significant car, I think. That's a great point. Civic will outsell Prius and Volt combined. So its significance to the market is, is 
pretty significant. <laughs> I'm curious about one thing, though, because you guys coming from the enthusiast end of the spectrum, the, the automatic transmission in the Civic is a continuously variable transmission. Traditionally, people from you know, buff book backgrounds, not crazy about CVTs. I don't have any problem with this, but did you find you know, anything objectionable about the, the CVT in the Civic? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't drive it as far as Kirk did, but I, I didn't find a problem with it. It's, it is interesting, though, because one thing they're doing to make people used to CVTs is they're putting these little steps in it. So it's not as, it feels more natural, which is probably introducing tiny inefficiencies. But uh, CVTs have come a long way. I think they're okay now. Yeah, and, and to your point, when you say uh, these little steps, it's mimicking a regular step right. gear transmission. One other issue with, uh, with those, especially, I think the smaller the engine and the less uh, sound deadening, the more annoying a CVT is. And they brought, they put more sound deadener here in here, and it's uh, it's mu- much easier to live with. It's not as uh, annoying and loud. CVTs have come a long way, and especially just the last few years. I didn't but, really even notice it, which is a good thing. That's but, the key. But also, I mean, with the manual again, like Honda has always had good manual shifters, and it's the benchmark still. Okay, let's go to uh, the next finalist that we've got on the list here, the Chevrolet Malibu. Kirk, we'll start with you. Why should this car have made the finalist over the others? Well, like the Civic kind of took a step back, the Malibu took a step back last time, and uh, they made a really poor mistake in making that rear seat way too small for a family car. So they fixed that, but they did a lot more with it. They they brought in uh, new uh, smaller turbocharged engines. They... Uh, uh, they made the ride and handling amazingly good. I drove it back to back with the uh, Accord, and it was just as good. And I did not expect that. Mark, your thoughts? On well, and, and a terrific value, and some very interesting features. It's got Apple CarPlay, uh, which I think is is going to become almost mandatory for auto make uh, for, for new cars going forward. And the Civic has it as well, but uh, that's a good feature. Talking about the the 1.5 liter turbo too. Good fuel economy, but one of the thing that really impressed me is that we've got Chevy coming out with a new 1.5 liter turbo, Honda coming out with a new 0.5 liter turbo, and. I think that the Chevrolet may be you know, the, the more impressive engine in terms of output and, and smoothness, uh, and that's a, a real achievement. That's as well. saying something, because Honda's so well known for its powertrain. Great engines. They always have. Yeah. yeah. And Mike? You Malibu. know, to be honest, uh, the Malibu probably wasn't on my list of three. I don't remember my exact breakdown. And it was because of that moving the segment forward. I don't think that it was, it was this great leap, but I want to be nice. There are some great things about the Malibu. I think um, that touchscreen is pretty amazing. It has like, it's like got an anti-smudge thing going. It's really responsive. It's it's high def. It it's finally that promise of you know like a tablet in the car. Uh, and I think the teen driving uh, program is is a huge. What's huge that? Step. I'm not familiar with. So that. you, um, it has a, a setting basically where if you have your you know a teen or someone else you want to monitor, you can you can set them with that key and it puts restrictions on the driving, but it also gives a report card to the driver and that the, the parent or guardian can track. So it's, uh, it's a little bit like Ford's MyKey system, but it, it puts more restrictions on it. Like you absolutely have to have all the driving aids on all the time. And um, to put that in a mainstream car and to, and to set it up in the product planning so that it's in, available in most of the lineup, I think that is a huge leap forward, and it's, it's important. And, and it includes uh, the ability to you know, get a report back that says how far did the person drive, what was the maximum speed they did, were there any times, ever times when the you know, collision alert went off, the, the, the kind of stuff that my parents probably would have loved to have to look over my shoulder when I was a teenager. Right, and it's that report card kind of thing. You don't have to you know, pull out the phone and, and follow 
follow them in like a you know a creepy way. It just says they came back. Here's how they did. <laughs> they didn't go too much over the speed limit right. and that sort of thing. What I loved about the Malibu is. Uh, besides the things that you guys have all mentioned, is the styling of this thing. This is a knockout, good-looking car. And we've seen how, going back a few years ago with uh, the Sonata, styling really helped sell that car. We saw that even more recently when Ford redid the Fusion. I mean, it, it looked like a much more substantial car. I think the styling is really going to help sell this Malibu. And then all the things that you guys described sort of cashes the check, so to speak. It's not just a pretty face. It's a terrific car underneath the skin as well. But I think styling still sells, and I think that's going to bring a lot of people into the showroom. Well, and we talked about the, the 1.5-liter turbo, but there's a couple of other drivetrains as well. There's a 2-liter turbo that's a, a pretty good performance car for a mid-size sedan, and, and there's a hybrid uh, hitting the market pretty quickly that's going to get very, very impressive fuel economy numbers. So the breadth of the model line is a strength as well, I think. That's a good point on the, the hybrid. I, I hear it's rated at, what, 47 miles to the gallon combined? Uh, combined city and highway driving, I believe so. Which, which is probably make it the leading hybrid midsize sedan. It's, it's, it's a pretty impressive... Oh, for midsize sedan yes. as opposed to the Prius. Yes. Right, and, and the Prius, of course, is a purpose-built hybrid. Yeah, so you can only get it as a hybrid. So for Malibu to have these other powertrain choices and still have a hybrid that gets 47 miles to the gallon is pretty impressive. I think. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right about the looks, too. The, the interior is really good-looking, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, moved, it, it, they moved like the Civic, which had been disappointing for the last generation or two. They took a car that had been good in the past and had fallen on hard times and made it really good again, I think. And done by a very young designer. I want to say the guy is like 26 years old. or something. I mean, right out of school, boom, they handed him this. They, they did all these sketches uh, you know, and this is what they typically do in design departments. You know, they'll say, "Hey, we got to do the new one. Who can come up with a sketch that should become the theme?" And they were going through looking at these things, and they went, "Who did this?" <laughs> and it was some guy that they had not been at the company very long. So that's another interesting story. It's a it's a very young designer that penned the the theme for that car. But. We've, we're talking about the Chevrolet Malibu. The Chevrolet, Chevrolet Camaro was on the long list. Didn't make it to the finalists. Mike, why not? I'm, I'm a little confused about that. I mean, I've said, uh, you know, I expected one of the uh, Prius or the Volt and maybe the Camaro. So uh, the list is way longer than three. But, uh, you know, in terms of, of development, the, you know, the, it drives amazing. It looks better. They've improved the ergonomics. They've taken a bunch of weight out. Uh, I don't know. Kirk or Mark, you have answers? <laughs> I voted for it. Um, if the Mustang was on the list last year, the Camaro, I think, is arguably a better car, and I think it should be on the list this year. But it didn't make it. And, and it's a really, really good car. This year, for, for me, <clears throat> there was no one absolute standout that you know, everybody else was following. There were a lot of really good uh, competitors. Yeah, I, um, I didn't have the Camaro, I don't think, in, in my you know, top four, but... I love the car. I think it's a huge move. It's going to give the Mustang a serious run for its money. Um, and I think you know this, this was just a year where some good cars were not going to make the finals. Yeah, that's what we should point out. It's, it's so hard to pick the best of the best because once you get down to the short list, they're all awfully good. Well, and it's also uh, we have this problem where it's really hard to get a breakthrough. Everything else is so good and everything that's new is so good. You know, the, the days of like, I mean, I don't know, the neon again are unlikely. Yeah. 
Okay, let's go to the last of the finalists on the car list, and that's the Mazda MX-5, or Miata. Mark, why did this make the finalist list? Oh, because journalists love Miatas. And, 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 <laughs> and, and everybody who likes cars should love Miatas. They are so much fun. They are so wonderful. Uh, it, it, it reinvented the you know, affordable convertible 25 years ago, it's, it, and this is a terrific version of it. Um, I think also it probably benefited from the fact that the people who were thinking practical mass market moves the, the a, a significant segment forward probably you know all gravitated toward you know the other two finalists. So the the people who were going to you know go you know fun pretty car must win, you know all of those votes went to the Miata and it is it's it's a fun pretty car. Uh, it, it's it's a it, it, it's a Miata. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk? It offers uh, greater performance than that ever has, and it only has 155 horsepower, but it's 0 to 60 in 6 seconds. So, uh, Plus, it's so comfortable to drive, and and, uh, and yet it, it offers great engagement while driving. So just, a, I mean, a fabulous car. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's the story of how they continue to make it better. You know, they don't, it doesn't really substantially grow. It doesn't substantially add power, and it's, it's more fun to drive. It's more engaging to drive. It's, uh, you know, it's more convenient. Ma- Mazda actually uh, graphed the effort to pull the roof up, and they have a graph of the old one versus the new one, and, they, you know, they're just finding those tiny little ways to make the whole experience better. A big piece of it for me, too, is the efficiency. You know, they, they didn't do any tricks with, with hybridization or anything like that. They just looked at every single component and how to make it better. And this is a car that you can drive foot to the floor and get, like, 30 miles to the gallon pretty easily. Yeah. What I found so interesting uh, about the car is I love driving it like you guys did. But as you know, we like the North American Car of the Year Award to appeal to as broad a part of the public as possible so that the award's meaningful to them. So we tend not to pick very expensive luxury cars, uh, and we don't pick sports cars very often either. And I know when I was voting, because we have to allocate the points to the different cars, I came to the Miata and I went... Oh, it doesn't have a chance. And then I started going down the list and I went, wait a minute, John, you had so much fun in that car. You've got to give it points, even if you don't think it's going to make it to the final list. And lo and behold, it did. And I, I think probably sort of what I went through is similar to what you guys and much of the jury went through. It's, it's, the car's just a blast to drive. It's really that good. And my fir- oh, I'm sorry. And my first version of voting, I didn't vote for it, and then I did at the end, <laughs> much like you. I do think it's the dark horse at this point, I though, do. because I of what you said. Right, yeah. Uh, but there's a very real chance that the people who are you know, inclined to vote for mass market you know, practical stuff will be divided. I've got no idea what's going to win, but it, if, if there was ever a year when a Miata could sneak in and, and win, I think this is it. Another thing, too, is we haven't seen a redesign of the Miata in how long? A decade or whatever it is? So it, unlike, say, like Mustang and Camaro, where we've seen refreshes or new models coming out or new powertrains added, you know, refresh, refresh, refresh. You know, the Miata's been sitting out there forever, and then, bang, they came out with this new one. So I think there's something of an impact there, too. And it's a real endorsement of Mazda's whole new strategy with their more efficient engines and the holistic approach to, to, you know, uh, efficiency. We're not just going to throw a battery in it. We're going to make the car lighter, smaller, and, and better. And, I mean, this is, you know, the payoff in terms of, you know, award voting, I think. Okay, We've been talking all about the cars, and we promised we'd let you guys have a little bit of a say about what the truck or utility of the year was. We're doing a whole nother show on that, but we wanted to give you guys a, a crack at it, too. The finalists, of course, are the Volvo XC90, 
the Nissan Titan XD pickup and the Honda Pilot. And Kirk, I'll, I'll start with you. Why? What, what are your favorites of here, or should something else have been on the list? Well, the two that I, uh, I think are the clear front runners are the Pilot and the XC90. Um, I did not vote for the Titan because I think it's uh, the jury's out on that, on where its value is. We don't know the pricing. We don't know exactly. We don't know the exact price, right. but we know pretty much. idea of pricing. Right. And we don't know how in the real world it will tow and, and the fuel economy during towing. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that one. I think the XC90 stands out as, as just a huge uh, step up for Volvo into BMW Mercedes territory for a, a crossover. Yeah. Mark, your I, thoughts? I, I would you know, second that, and we were talking about how there's a lot of good cars, but nothing that changes the nature of a, the market or advances a segment. And I think you can argue that the Volvo between the iPad-style controls and a 2-liter supercharged and turbocharged four-cylinder engine in a truck that size, delivering that kind of power and that kind of fuel efficiency, this is a significant change for SUVs. Yeah, we, we might want to get into more details in that in a minute, but I want to get Mark, Mike's uh, opinions on these two. Yeah, I, it was a lot like the cars where there were a lot of great things and, and maybe not a lot of standouts. And um, I, I think the Volvo is one that, you know, it has it does stand out like that. I mean, the interior, for the price of the car starts, it's, it's got the best interior at maybe $80,000, and I think you can get it much lower. Like, a, you know, you can get it well-equipped for fifty. Uh, that was a huge leap. Yeah, it's that one's a, a strong candidate, I think. And so, what do you think about the the Titan XD? Uh, you know, I uh, the jury's out. It's it's an interesting car to me be, or truck because it is it, it bridges that gap where it um, you know price and performance wise, you're getting at like the heavy towing half tons, but you get the diesel. But you're also it, it rides much harder than the half tons. Mm-hmm. It rides like a like a three quarter ton or a medium duty truck. It does. So uh, it is a tricky choice, but, you know, it, it does also, it's a new thing. It is moving the segment because it's saying, you know, here's an idea that hasn't been tried yet. And mark your ideas on uh, Titan. I, I think that it, it's fascinating because it is the first Japanese brand to do a medium-duty truck, and it's trying to find a little bit of space at the low end of the medium-duty segment for people who don't need all of the you know, capability that you get in a Ford F-250 or something like that. I think it's a really interesting vehicle, and just like a lot of jurors love sporty cars, there are a lot of jurors who, when they're thinking trucks, if it's a pickup, you know, they take it more seriously. So. Um, it could do quite well in the voting, I think. Okay, and everyone's that sort of thing, really, Kurt, you, you, and we'll start with you. You like the Honda Pilot, but nobody I, said much about the Honda Pilot. I do like the, the Pilot. pilot. Yeah. And, um, uh, it, well, Honda does such great stuff with space and using the footprint of the vehicle and maximizing the room inside and making it easy to use. And their magic seat has got to be the easiest thing that the, uh, for a family in this segment so I've, I really think that this Explain is... Explain the, the magic seat a bit for the audience. Well, you can just hit a button in the back and the seat folds down and the kids can get in. I mean, they, a kid can <laughs> do it and not have to worry about having the parents do it. So um, I think that it's the most family-friendly vehicle this side of a minivan. Mm-hmm. It, it's an example of doing everything well. You know, it, it's, it, it's, all tiny, it's all little improvements. It's, in that sense, it's a little bit like the Miata or, or the Civic, you know, in that... You, you see the Honda approach and that Honda like iterative improvement in it, but it's at a point now where it's at the top of its segment. It's like, yeah, this is the best thing this side of a minivan. Mark, your thoughts? Well, and, and a great endorsement for Honda. They're the only company that's got two finalists this year, and just like the, the Malibu and Civic are players in 
you know, big volume segments. The pilot is one of the big, growing, important family segments. Uh, there, there's a lot of people who are going to be buying this. It's an important vehicle. Go, go more into more detail on the XC90, because I think you raised a really critical point. Here is a, it's a full-size SUV, really with a two-liter four-cylinder engine. We've never seen anything like that before. And, and that's part of what makes that truck so significant, I think. I mean, it, it, it's a brand-new platform, brand-new engine, brand-new electronics. All of it's the first time that, you know, the, the first vehicle that Volvo developed under its new Chinese ownership. And I have not heard a bad word about the execution of any of those new technologies yet. Um, it, it's really sort of a tour de force. Chinese ownership, but designed, engineered, developed, and manufactured in Sweden. So the, the Chinese might be paying uh, the bills, but they're not really running the company. And all. that was the question that I think that many of us had when the Chinese company bought Volvo, just, just as we wondered when an Indian company bought Jaguar and Land Rover, will, you know, the, will the brand be able to survive to keep what makes it unique and distinctive? And thus far, I mean, th this is very much a Volvo. Kirk, what do you think about this powertrain that they've got with, with a supercharger and a turbocharger? Well, it, it does give you the power that you need, and I don't think people need to worry about that. However, if you use that power, you're not getting the fuel economy that you think you're going to get. Um, you know, the, physics are physics. If you're going to move 45 or 5,000 pounds forward and with 300 horsepower, you're going to get not very good fuel economy. So I... I'm, you said that nobody said anything bad about it. I don't think it's quite going to deliver the real-world fuel economy that mm -hmm. people want. Mike, any thoughts? I mean, I would agree. Uh, the one knock I have against it is that, that powertrain, it doesn't sound that great. You know, when, if you get it in the wrong situation, you know, like the radio's off and you're on the right road and you're hitting the gas, it's a, that's, that's a disappointment. But how often is that going to happen, I think, for the users? The, the, the big thing for me is the style, interior and outside. And the outside... You look at how bland SUVs have become, and they're all kind of assuming the same shape. This thing is instantly recognizable. You will never, ever mistake it. And I, it's a head-turner. Yeah, really is. Okay, time to put you guys on the spot. If you'll do it, I want you to predict who you think is going to win the Car of the Year award. So, Mark, I'm going to start with you. Honda Civic, Chevrolet Malibu, Mazda MX-5. What do you think is going to win? This is incredibly hard to, I, to, I know. to handicap. Um, I'm going to guess Malibu. Okay. Kurt? Civic. Civic. I'm, I'm MX-5. Oh, <laughs> you guys are brilliant. We, we each picked one. Uh, I'm going with Civic, too. I think Civic's going to win. Okay, r real quick, we're getting down towards the end, Mark. I'll start with you. Volvo XC90, Nissan Titan XD, or the Honda Pilot? What do you think is going to win? The, the XC90 is a big deal. I think that's going to win. Yeah. Kurt? I think the Volvo. Yeah. I uh, this is partially, I don't know where I'd vote, and I don't know what the other jurors will vote, but I think it's going to be the XC90. Yeah, that's, that's my opinion, too. I, I think that there's a soft spot in the heart of the jury here that here's a company that's essentially not been out of the market for the last eight years, but they have not had anything new in eight years' time. Since Ford Motor Company sold them, they got acquired by the Chinese, they've been busy at work trying to redo their whole model line, and Boom, out, out of the box, right out of the box, the vehicle that they come out with is this knockout good XC90. Oh, there's some engine issues and, and noise and all that, but yeah, uh, my guess is going to be XC92. Hey, look, I want to thank all three of you for coming in and talking all about these cars. It's a lot of fun to talk about. There is no right answer, but we'll, we're, we're going to learn soon which one of us picked the winners right. So I want to thank all three of you. Mike Austin from Autoblog. Kurt
Kirk Bell from the Motor, Motor Authority, Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press. It's been great having all three of you here for the show. Thank you. Thank Jenny. you. Thank you. And of course, I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. Underwriting for Auto Line this week has been provided by. If you want to make things that move, move better, just talk to one of our scientists. They'll show you a special glue we've developed that bonds metal to plastic. And that makes the things you're trying to move lighter. The less weight, the less energy. And what you save can be used for speed, for efficiency, or just for fun. This is the Human Element at work. Down. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.